for home church. And so uh, we encourage you to go through that if that's something you're interested in. December the 5th and December the 12th, it'll be during the 9 a.m. service. And so uh, we'll have child care. Obviously, you can drop your kids off and iKids, check them in and uh, attend that and then come to the 1045 service. You don't have to miss anything and you can get all the information that you need as well. And then the last thing that I want to make mention of before we get into the word is uh, our mission trip for 2022. Uh, it's crazy that we're already uh, getting to the point to where we're talking about 2022, but uh, our mission trip for 2022 is going to be to Kansas City, Missouri, and there are going to be some amazing projects. Uh, we've been talking with Doug and and Jeannie about the projects that we're going to be able to do and the ministry we're going to be able to do in that community. And uh, you'll be hearing a lot more about that in the weeks to come. But here's what we want you to know today out at Impact Central. If you're here today and, and you know, hey, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want it to be my goal. I want to go on the mission trip in 2022. Then you can grab an application out there. If you're somebody that would say, hey, I'm interested and I want more information, um, I want somebody to, to be able to provide more information, or you just say, hey, I'm not ready to commit right now, but I'm interested uh, that this might be something I'm wanting to do. There's also a sheet back there where you can sign, uh, you can put your name and email and contact information, those type of things, so that we can reach out to you and get you the information uh, along the way and follow up with you. So a couple of different things for you to be able to do out there as we prepare for uh, what God wants to do um, in the area of missions for 2022. Amen. Come on. Is anybody anybody excited about the opportunity to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus? We do it we do it quite frequently in our community. We have opportunities here, but it's amazing to be able to go to different places uh, around the states and even overseas sometimes and just share the love of Jesus with people and do practical meet practical needs for people. And so we love being able to do that. So we encourage you to get on board with that as well. So uh, I'm not going to take any more time because I am excited. Uh, Doug Reed, one of our overseers for Impact Church, uh, a mentor to us. He and his wife are in this weekend. He uh, spoke to our men yesterday morning at the men's breakfast, and it was just amazing. It was an incredible time. Uh, so much encouragement, so much practical teaching and, and things that we could take away. And uh, I'm excited and pumped up for what he has to share with us today because I believe it has the potential. Come on, how do you know that anytime you open the Word of God, it has the potential and the power to change your life? It'll change you from the inside out. And I just know that this Word today is so timely uh, that God has laid on your heart. And so come on, will you put your hands together and welcome to the platform, Pastor Doug Reed. Amen. Let's give it up for our pastors. Don't you love Pastor Gabe and Amanda? Wow. Well, hello. Good morning, Impact. So excited to be uh, with you guys. I don't know. Am I loud enough? I, I like it to be a little more punchy, man. Give me some punch. All right. So, uh, but excited to be with you guys this morning. Had so much fun with your men yesterday. How many of you know if we reach the men, we reach the family, right? Uh, the statistics are absolutely overwhelming. Uh, that support that and, and uh, just was so excited to be able to pour into our men. You guys have a church that is reaching men, and that's really, really awesome. Uh, well, I, I, for those of you who are new to the church that don't know me, uh, my name is Doug Reed. I head up a ministry called Partnership Ministries, and essentially what I do is I uh, travel around the country and I speak in conferences and churches, and then I use that influence uh, to talk those groups into going to some of the world's poorest places and reaching uh, people that, um, well, that can't pay you back. And how many of you know that the whole world needs Jesus? Amen? 
Uh, I, I believe that God has called every one of us to a purpose. That's really what I'm going to talk about this morning. Uh, super excited for you guys to be going with our organization, Partnership International, uh, to the inner city of Kansas City this next year. Uh, we have a lot of overseas spots that we go to, but several stateside spots as well. And if you've ever driven right through uh, I-70 in Kansas City, uh, if you're heading towards uh, St. Louis, uh, about maybe 10 minutes, uh, 7 minutes or so before you get to Arrowhead Stadium, there's an exit there called Van Brunt. And uh, if you live in Kansas City, everybody knows it, I-70 and Van Brunt. Everybody knows you don't get off that exit because it's a bad neighborhood right there. Uh, what they don't know is there's about 75 homeless people that live right under that bridge. And there's an incredible church there, uh, pastored by two dear friends of ours. I spoke to them last night, Adam and Catherine Brown. And God has called them uh, to a place that everybody fails. And instead, uh, they're running about 250 right in the middle of that neighborhood. And we've been partnering with them for about three years now. Uh, they were You can get buildings for a song there uh, because the city wants you to take them. Uh, but uh, they're all messed up. They, they had, this one had about a million dollars in HVAC work that needed to be done alongside of just crazy work. They were running 200 at one point without a kids ministry. I mean, you know, God's up to something if you're running 200 without a kids ministry. And, and our teams went in and helped them build a kids chapel in the lower part of the uh, building. And we've been doing a bunch of remodel. You guys, uh, if you come, you're going to be involved with painting this old church that they meet in and bringing it up to a new standard. Wouldn't that be incredible? Uh, every single meal we eat while we're there, we fix extra food and we go out and we feed the homeless. Uh, we'll do a kids crusade. We'll probably have 150 little kids come to the kids crusade. It's going to be a lot of fun. We want you to be a part of it. And I hope you come to Kansas City with us. Uh, it's actually over 4th of July week. Uh, so come spend 4th of July in Kansas City, right? And, and uh, reach out to somebody, man, that uh, really needs your, your, your help. Well, today, I, I want to talk to you around the topic that I've entitled, The Mission of Jesus. Everybody say, The Mission of Jesus. And we're going to talk about how to make His mission our ambition. Well, one of the greatest things about being a Christian is that we get to be a people that are on mission. In fact, I don't know, you know, this church is known for reaching out to people that are new to faith. And I don't, uh, I don't know, maybe you got on the wrong bus or somebody uh, kidnapped you and brought you to church. They've been known to do that around here uh, or, or whatever. Perhaps you're watching online and you go, I, I don't even know if I know Christ, Pastor Doug. Uh, can I just like tell you some advice from somebody who has been there? Uh, you're never going to find out your purpose. You're never really going to live a life of mission until you meet the God who created you on purpose. Amen? Uh, when you come to Christ, he gives you a purpose. You get to be on mission. And it's one of the best things about being a Christian. You see, missional people, they are purpose people. God wants you to be a person that works up every day and lives out a purpose. And it's been interesting with my ministry. I won't bore you with them, but there's five what I call seeds of calling in my life. And the fifth one is something we call partnership network. And uh, in partnership network, I thought it was going to be like other ministers that wanted to partner with our nonprofit. But instead, what it's been is I've been meeting dozens and dozens of people, most of them in their 50s and 60s, uh, who have some money. They, they're not well off, but they're okay enough. And, and, and they, they've got a little bit of freedom, and now they're wanting uh, to have some 
purpose. We've got dozens of construction guys now that are partnering with us, people from business world and what have you. And you can call me unspiritual if you want, but I believe that everybody on the planet really wants three things. Everybody wants money. I mean, you know, money is not unimportant. It's really hard to live out your purpose if you can't even pay for a place to live, if you can't have food. To eat. I mean, you know, money kind of gives you that ability to say, now I can think on a higher level. Everybody wants money. Everybody wants freedom. And everybody wants purpose. Now, I meet people all the time that they have money and they don't have any freedom, right? You got like golden handcuffs on. I meet people that have like freedom and they don't have any money. They're like a starving artist, right? But I'm starting to meet more and more people that they've got some money. Again, maybe not rich, but they've got some money. They've got some freedom. And now they're saying, man, I really want to live out my purpose. I mean, how many cars can you have? You don't understand what I'm saying. I mean, have you not shot a big enough buck yet? You know, all the men said no. You know, I get it. But, but at some point, your life has to be more than just about you. Amen? You got to be a person who lives out a purpose. Now, I've had this conversation dozens of times, but I'll tell you the conversation, Pastor Gabe, that I had never had. I have never heard somebody say something like, wow, I've really been living in purpose and reaching out to people and my life has so much meaning now. And you know what? I'm just sick of it. You know, I want to go back to living for nothing. You know, it would be better if I just kind of didn't have a purpose. I mean, you know, that just doesn't happen, right? Because whenever you taste purpose, it is impossible to go back to normal. Man, whatever normal is, God wants wants you to live a life of purpose. In fact, my encouragement to you today in this message is to look normal in the eye and say, it's not me, it's you. We're breaking up, amen? We're going to live a life of purpose. Who wants to live a life of purpose, amen? Uh, one of the things that we have the privilege of doing is sometimes introducing people to the concept of reaching somebody else. And we do that in the form of missions trips. Uh, in 2019, to give you an idea, we had 19 missions teams. About 350 people went on those trips. We did about a half a million dollars in building projects. And many of those were the first time anybody had ever done something that was outside their normal routine. Well, normally when we set up these spots, I never take a team with me the first time. It was about nine years ago that my partner church in Virginia, they started telling me about an orphanage right in the middle of the mountains of Jamaica. It's in a place called Christiana, Jamaica. It's not by the resorts. It's in the poor part of Jamaica. And they said, hey, Pastor Doug, it's going under. We don't know what to do. We want to help them. They're down to about five kids. Can you help? And I said, well, I'll help, and we'll start bringing other churches, but you've got to partner with me first. And in fact, I decided that that church loved me so much that I broke my rule. I broke my own rule, and I said, you're coming on the setup trip. So I brought 30 adults to a place I had never been before for the very first time. And when we got there... They showed me this dormitory. It was everything they said. The place was dilapidated. They were down to about five kids. The workers were depressed. And they showed me this dormitory that we were staying in. And I noticed the ceiling looked a little bit funny. Well, we found out later that it was filled with termites, live termites. And the big joke that week was you had not been on a missions trip. 
until termites had pooped on you at night because that's what they would do. It would get on your blanket and your hair and all that kind of stuff. Now, we've fixed it since then, so if you come, there are no termites. But, but, we, but, but that, that I, didn't, I didn't know what else to do. That was where we were staying. And, and, and then I was told that, hey, we don't have enough water for this many people. We, you guys came. We don't have enough water. Now, since then, we fixed all their water systems, and there's tanks all over the place. But they had one big water tank, and I found out it was $1,000 to fill up that tank. Well, what choice do I have? We got to have water for the week. And so we paid the thousand dollars and a truck came and filled up the tank and the water promptly leaked out of the tank. The tank had a hole in it. There's a thousand dollars right there. And so I didn't know what to do. And I, I, I said to the director, I said, do you have a store around here we can go to? And she said, yeah. And I went to the store and I bought 500 gallons of water, one gallon gallons of water. And that night, with our team, if you go on one of our trips, you'll hear this. I talk to them about loving Jesus with all of their strength. I mean, you know, we rarely love God with all of our strength, amen? I talked about having a chance to actually suffer for the gospel. I mean, we talk about it, but we never do it. And then I sat out a gallon of water. I said, I'm sorry, but your water leaked out. So this week, this is your water. We'll give you other water to drink, but every day you get a gallon of water. You can brush your teeth. You can wash your hair. You want to waste it on flushing a toilet. That's up to you. But this is your water. I mean, you know, 30 adults, not very happy, right? But I didn't know what else to do. So we went all through throughout the week and it was just one of those weeks and then finally we got to the very last night and I had to take them to Kingston because we were flying out the next morning so we stayed in a hotel suddenly everybody's got air conditioning we've got running water amen we've got air, we've got internet we've got cell phone signals and I'm walking around the uh, lobby listening to 30 people call home for the first time in a week and I'll bet you I heard this 20, 25 times. They would say, man, we got here, and it was so run down, and termites are pooping on us, and, and man, we got no water, and Pastor Doug only gives us a gallon of water a day, and they would talk about all the suffering, and then I would just wait for it, wait for it. They would say, hey, I wish we could stay longer. Man, I can't wait to come back next year. Why? Because first off, missions messes with your mind, and secondly, once you have taste purpose, you can never go back to normal. Amen. God has called you to a life of purpose. In fact, the abundant life that Jesus promised in John 10, 10 is a life that is on mission. Jesus spent much of his earthly ministry calling people away from a meaningless life to a missional life, away from a powerless life to a life that is lived on purpose. In John 14, there's this amazing moment where Christ actually is trying to prompt belief in the life of his disciples. And, he, and, and the theme of the book of John is believe. And he says this thing that is really astounding. It's John chapter 14, verse number 12. And here's what he says. He said, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things. Everybody say greater things than these because I am going to my father. Now, how many of you know Jesus did some great things? But according to Jesus, 
we will get to do even greater things if we believe, if we obey God. Right, right here in my hand, I, I, I didn't have a chance to set it up, but this is a Russian doll somebody gave me. If I was to open it up, there's like 10 smaller versions inside of there. Can I just tell you, like, if you're a Buddhist and you are serving Buddha, how many of you know you will never be greater than Buddha? You're never going to get to do anything greater. If you're a, a Muslim, you're never going to get to do anything greater than Muhammad. If you're a Mormon, you're never going to get to do anything greater than Joseph Smith. But Christ has said this. He said, my followers will get to do even greater things. See, God is not done with you today amen if you've got a heartbeat you've got a purpose there should be a progressiveness in the way we serve God now if this is true what Christ said then how how come so few of us live a life of purpose you see here it is when my ambition does not line up with his mission I forfeit my purpose Everyone is called to live out the mission of Jesus. Now, the, uh, the, the, the obvious question is, what is the mission of Jesus? Well, the mission of Jesus, according to most theologians, is found in Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 30. And it's actually a moment where Jesus is quoting a messianic prophecy, a prophecy about himself from Isaiah chapter 61. Christ is in his hometown, and he walks into a temple where he is not respected. How many know it's tough to be respected in your hometown? They are not believing that this kid that grew up down the street is the Messiah. And instead of kind of pushing into that or respecting that, Christ instead walks into the temple one day, goes over and picks up a scroll, rolls it out. You can hear a pin drop in this moment, and he begins to read Isaiah 61. It says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me, this is the mission of Jesus, to proclaim Good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom to the captives, release the prisoners from darkness, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The, Jesus then says this. He said, today, Luke 4.21, this is fulfilled in your hearing. The crowd goes crazy. They freak out. They push him out of the temple. Luke's version of this says they actually try to push him off a cliff, but Christ walks right through them because it's not his time. How many of you know that non-missional people are always intimidated by missional people, right? Jesus intimidates them because he shows them what, their, what his mission is. Listen, your mission is the mission of Christ. You are called to the poor. You're called to the brokenhearted. You're called to the captives, the prisoners, and to bring the favor of God from heaven down to earth. Amen. How many of you want to be involved with the mission of Jesus? See, every believer in Jesus is called to make his mission their ambition. And I love you today, and I say this from a heart of love, but if your calling does not line up with his mission, then your calling is simply an ambition. The work of God's grace in your life is not complete until he begins to use your potential to reach other people. So how can we live out the mission of Jesus? Who wants to do it today? Amen. 
How can we do it? How can we be a missional person? Let me, let me, let me just give you three little keys today. How to, how, to, how to make the mission of Jesus your ambition. Number one, you have to decide that you are a calling person. Everybody say a calling person, not a job person. See, I, I love you, and you're one of my supporting churches, but I've got news for you today. I, I mean, I appreciate the support, and we love that. We can't do it without you. But I can tell you I am not hired today. I am called. Pastor Gabe and Amanda, I won't look at them right now because I'm going to speak on their behalf, but I just have a suspicion that they really love that you pay them a salary, but I, can, I got news for you. They're not hired. They are called. You, you are not a hired person. You're a called person. You've got to decide at some point in your life that your life is more than just a paycheck. Amen? And I think to do that, you have to do what I call kill the attitude of just. See, you're not just a salesman. You're not just a cook. You're not just a carpenter, electrician, plumber. You're not just a teacher. You're not just a mom or a dad. You're not just a pastor. You're not just a nurse. Uh, Everybody is called, no matter what their profession is, to further the mission of Jesus. I am not just a speaker and writer. I am called to further the mission of Jesus. It was only about six or seven years ago that I was sitting in a service, and a friend of mine named Jason St. John, pastor in Kansas City, was speaking, and he started doing this illustration. It's funny. He hates vegetables, and so every day his wife makes him, forces him to eat an apple just so that he will stay alive. And, and he made the joke, and everybody laughed, and then he held up an apple, and he said, You know, an apple has five seeds on average, and you can count the seeds in an apple, but you can't count the potential of the seeds. And he began to preach, and he no more than got into the illustration, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, stop listening to him and start listening to me. And so I just kind of turned him off, and I opened up my phone. I'm like, God, what are you saying? And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, just like he's talking, there's not one seed of calling in you. There's five seeds. And I won't bore you with what they are, but can I tell you, only one of them has to do with preaching on the stage. All the other four were about reaching people that nobody else was reaching. And and God began to speak to me about my calling. And, and, And I know for a fact that I am not called to just speak in churches, but at least a third of my ministry, I'm in front of people that cannot write me a check, that cannot pay me back, and yet we are called to reach the broken, amen? In the last seven years, Proverbs 31.8 has become my life verse. It says this, speak for those that cannot speak for themselves and ensure justice for those that are being crushed. Stand up for the poor and the destitute. I believe that when God gives you a voice, that you should use that voice for those that don't have a voice. Amen? When God gives you influence, you should use that influence for those that don't have any influence. And you have a voice. You have a calling. You are called to further the mission of Jesus. And so maybe today you're not just a felon. Maybe that criminal record is so that you can reach people that we could not relate to. Maybe that addiction that you've overcome is so that you can set other people free. Maybe that skill, maybe that gift that you have is not just to make money, but it is to further the mission of Jesus. Maybe that business is not just a business, but you're called to finance the mission of Jesus. Maybe that medical degree you have is not just so that you can have prestige and money, 
but so that you might add layers of compassion to the mission of Jesus. Amen? I'm seeing it over and over again now. There's a man that I was telling Gabe about earlier uh, yesterday. His name is Jim, and Jim is a master everything. He's a master carpenter. He's a master plumber. He's a master electrician. He could build this building in his sleep, it seems like. And Jim, about five years ago, the first time he had ever used his gifts for anything but making money, was on a missions trip that he was with me on. And since then, Jim has started going on five, six. I think he's doing about seven with me next year. In fact, he's trying to retire and become the project manager for our organization. Uh, I've got probably 12 gyms now. I think of a guy named Eddie. Eddie uh, was a financial grant writer for colleges, but he retired a few years ago. And he's not wealthy, but he's okay. And he decided, even though he was in his 60s, that he would start another business. He started a business selling books on Amazon, and he makes about $40,000 a year doing it. And he smiles every time I see him, and he says, hey, that's my missions money. And he'll say this to me. He'll call me this January like he does every year, and he'll say, how many you need me on, Pastor Doug? I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'll pay my own way. In fact, I'll bring some project money with me. Eddie decided, even though he was older, that he was going to do something for the mission of Jesus. Amen? It was only about a month ago, Pastor Gabe, I was in the central part of Arkansas, and I mean right in the middle of the Ozarks. I mean, you could hear the banjos, baby. I mean, I was in the Ozark Hills. There's a pastor there, a good friend of mine, that he is planting churches all around these little towns. And, and I, he's already doing great things, but he decided one day that he wasn't just a pastor. He started telling me when I was with him last time, I was doing some leadership for, stuff for his church, and he said, uh, he said, Pastor Doug, he said, I've inherited a farm. He said, my father died and he gave me his farm. And I, I said, well, I want to see your farm. Show me your farm. I'm thinking, of, you know, a couple cows, some chickens or whatever. This dude had 200,000 chickens, I'm telling you. He's got a contract with Tyson. He had thousands of cows, sheep, you name it. He smiled at me one day and he said, people don't know it, but I'm worth millions of dollars. And he said, I'm, I'm trying to manage the farm while I also pastor the churches and and he said, uh, he started kind of weeping, and he said, you know, Pastor Doug, and, and he didn't even know that I would preach it like this, but he said, I'm not just a pastor. He said, I feel as if God has given me this resource that I might reach out to churches in rural communities and begin to do something to further the cause of Christ. How many of you know you're not just uh, anything, amen? There's a lady, I could just keep going, there's a lady named Mary who lives in Virginia about five miles away from where my house is at, and we chose to live in the country She's in a little county called Dinwiddie. I mean, I can promise you, you, you got to want to go there. You know what I'm saying? And uh, Mary, a few years ago, was in a service that I was preaching at, and I was calling out the gift of giving in that service. I mean, you know, the Bible talks about the gift of giving. It actually lists it as one of the spiritual gifts. And I had just talked about it. I didn't know what God was going to do with it, but Mary took it on, and she literally quit this medical thing she was doing and went and bought a Shell gas station, and Mary became a giver. Do you know that that Shell gas station is now the number one gas station in the state of Virginia? I mean, she tells me all the time, I keep raising my prices, and people just keep coming. I don't, I don't know. I, it's like we, they started a little food business. They can't make enough food. It, it's just ridiculous. Why? Because when you begin to support the mission of Jesus, amen, God's blessing comes on your life and your business in a way you can't even begin to receive. 
I just want to say today, you are not an ordinary person. You're not just a person. You are a goer. Everybody say, I'm a goer. Matthew 28, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's not just for missionaries. I figured this out the other day. Two-thirds of God's name is go. <laughs> you see what I'm That's pretty good right there. Two-thirds of God. I'm a missionary. I figure out stuff like that. I've started warning people when they become friends with me. I'm like, man, we're going to end up in some weird part of the world together. I warned you, Pastor Gabe. Just, just know that I warned you. John Bunyan once said it like this. He said, you have not lived today until you've done something for someone who can never repay you. You're not, you're not a calling person. You're not a job person. You're a calling person. You've got multiple seeds of calling inside of you. I've gotten to the point where I believe the American dream is boring. I want to be a purpose person, a calling person. Amen? I would like a bass boat as well, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> Number two, you've got to dedicate a portion of your resources to the mission. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 and 10 says it like this. It says, when you harvest your land, don't harvest right up to the edge of the field, but leave some for the poor and for the foreigner. You know, you know what the problem is with America is that we always harvest all the way to the edge. Every time God blesses us with more, we just raise our lifestyle a little bit more. So my wife and I did something a few years ago that some of you might find a little weird, but we... We, we, we picked our number. You say, what, what, what does that mean? Well, we just, we prayed about it, and we thought about it, and we talked about it, and, and we said, God, if you would bless us up to this point, then everything above that, we would just serve you with it. We won't raise our lifestyle. We'll just raise our mission. And you say, well, Pastor Doug, what's your number? I'm going to tell you my number. It's my number. It's not your business. And I don't care what your number is. We got a God that blesses. Pick a big number if you want. But the problem with America is no number is ever big enough. I mean, when's enough enough? The Bible says be free of the love of money. That's got to be one of the most disobeyed verses in the American church. And yet, so often that's where we're at. I was a youth pastor for 12 years, and uh, I, I remember one, one day I was promoting this trip. We were going to go to Romania, the country of Bucharest, uh, city of Bucharest. And at the time, there were homeless kids just everywhere there. And it was really weird. They would actually say there was this saying that the Romanians love their dogs more than they love their children. And it was weird. When you would go there, you would never see a stray dog. Everybody had pet dogs, but there were homeless kids everywhere. We were going to take this group, and I was a youth pastor. I, would, I didn't own an organization. We were just going to take the group. And I had about 40 kids signed up. And on a Wednesday night, I said, hey, if you don't sign up tonight, you can't go. you got to get your application in. And Anyway, I, I finished that service. We got a few more in, and I walked out, and I was about to get in my 1991 Honda Accord, and this kid pulls up in, like, this $50,000 pickup truck. His name is James. He's 20 years old. And I said, James, dude, man, that is a nice truck. I said, is that your dad's truck? And he said, no, Pastor Doug, it's my truck. And I said, really? I said, you got a job? He said, yeah, I work at the lumberyard. I make $1,000 a month. I said, all right. I said, I said, how'd you buy this truck? He said, well, I saved, and my dad gave me a little bit. My dad co-signed, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm nosy. I said, well, what's the payment on this truck? He said, $600 a month. And I said, well, it runs on gas, right? He goes, yeah. And I said, do you have insurance? He said, well, I've had a couple tickets. You do the math. I, I said, man, you don't have much money, do you? He said, no. And I said, but you got a nice truck? He goes, yeah. And I said, and I decided I would be a pastor. I said, get out of that truck. And he got out of the truck. And he walked over uh, to my car, and I reached into my car, 
and I pulled out an application for the Romania missions trip. And I said, James, I said, I noticed tonight when I was talking about those kids in Romania that you were like crying and stuff. And he said, oh, Pastor Doug, come on, man. There's a lot of allergies right now. And, and I said, shut up, man. You were crying. You know you were. And I said, James, I got this crazy idea. I said, you know what? You should go on the trip. And, and, and he thought he had me. He looked at me and he said, well, Pastor Doug, I heard you say tonight during the service that like if we didn't have the application in, you know, by the end of the night that we couldn't go. And I'm not like a rule breaker. And I said, James, you're in luck because I'm in charge. <laughs> I said, I make rules. I break rules. I do whatever I want. I said, I'm, I'm open at one time exception just for you. And in fact, I mean, if you do our fundraisers, you won't even have to pay a dime. You'll get to go. And he kind of looked at the ground and he looked at the application. He looked at me. And he said, Pastor Doug, do you have to take off work to go on that trip? And I said, James, you're good, but you can't be two places at once. You're going to have to take off work. And he said, I can't go. I said, I know you can't go, but you got a really nice truck. And, and we, we just talked for about an hour about what matters. Amen? Now, I'm not against the illustration that I'm about to use. I, I do this with our teams. But... I believe that everybody in this room needs to make at least one big decision towards being a person of mission. And let me just show you what that looks like. I just want you to imagine that right now, and again, I'm not against what I'm about to say, but I'm just using an illustration. I just want you to imagine that right now, you decide right now in this service that for the rest of your life, you are not going to have car payments. Average car payment in America is $400. So it might take you a couple of years, right? You know, got to work hard, save pay off the one you got, all that kind of stuff, but you're just going to work at it, right? And within two, three years, you'll be in a position, you'll drive older cars, everybody else will have the newer ones, but you're just going to decide you're a missions person who drives an older car. And you take that same $400 and you decide for the rest of your life that that will be like my boy Eddie, you will have your own missions fund. Well, according to my math, that's a missions trip for you and the friend of your choice to just about anywhere in the world with our organization anyway. I can promise you if you're, the, if you're at 30 years old and you decide that you're going to make that decision and for the next, let's say you live to 80 in the next 50 years of your life, you do it. Can I tell you, on your deathbed, you are not going to give a rip about what kind of car you drove. I have been at many deathbed sites and I have never heard somebody say, man, I wish I had bought the Ferrari. I mean, seriously. <laughs> But I can promise you, you will be talking about the 50 countries that you visited. Amen. You'll be talking about the places in the world where you went and made a difference. At what point in your life are you going to decide that a portion of your resources have got to go to the mission of Jesus? I, 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 I'm not making this decision for you, but how many Hobby Lobbies, how many Chick-fil-A's do we have to see until we realize business owners that if we would dedicate a portion of our resources to the mission of Jesus, God would bless your business. Amen. Amen. I, I know for a fact because I was just with a ministry that Hobby Lobby wrote a $50 million check to. <laughs> so go buy a new Christmas tree because they're giving money to missions. Amen. <laughs> I, 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 God will bless your ministry and he'll bless your business when you begin to support the mission of Jesus. And finally, finally, and we're done, is you've got to develop what I call a legacy thing. For the mission of Jesus. The whole idea of legacy is that something about the way you live and the way you use your influence and energy and your resources makes a difference for somebody else. The impact of your life outlives you. 
I today in this room, I call out creativity. I call out callings. I call out passion. I call it Christian entrepreneurialism. How many of you want to do something that lasts beyond you? Amen. For the mission of Jesus. I, I, I was with uh, one of our uh, churches that we speak at regularly in St. Louis just about five years ago. And the pastor and his wife had taken us out to dinner. And, and, and it just the dinner kept lasting and lasting and lasting. We didn't know what was up. And, and uh, finally, his wife began to speak to me. And she's real quiet. She never speaks. Uh, and, and yet she, she looked me in the eye and she said, Pastor Doug, she said, uh, we've invited you out to dinner because we want you to help us with what we're doing in Burundi, East Africa. Burundi is the poorest country in the world. And she began to describe the mission that was on her heart because she's not just a pastor's wife. Amen. And uh, I found myself a year later in a little village called the Kabezi Village sitting right next to this little mountain. And we now, gosh, there's feeding programs there. There's all kinds of things happening. We started an orphanage there. Uh, there was this one pastor, Gabe, that he had come to this pastor's conference I was doing. And he kept walking down the mountain every single day to come to our pastor's conference. Well, this mountain was like Half Dome in America. Some of you guys know where that's at, Yosemite. That's 9,000 feet. The mountain was 10,000 feet. Now, when we climb Half Dome, we take Facebook pictures and we call it a life accomplishment. This was just this dude's life. And he would walk down in his little suit with a Bible on and he would come to my conference every single day. And so I decided with the team that we would walk up the mountain with him on the last day. Well, by the end of the walk, our entire team, minus two of us, we had to send out with emergency motorcycle rides because we couldn't make the walk. But this is just the walk he does every day. Finally, in the last about 500 feet, I was spent and they hired a motorcycle for me. And we were sitting there and waiting on the motorcycle and this little pastor sat down next to me. And it was one of my favorite moments of all time because he had his little Bible, he could barely speak English. And he looked at me and he said, Pastor Doug, he said, we try to go slow for you, that's what he said. <laughs> and then he said, but not slow enough. <laughs> and I said, yeah. We talked a little bit about his life and what matters. and. How, you know, at some point, you've got to walk in the feet of somebody else that doesn't have it as good as you. Your, your legacy thing doesn't have to be my thing. Your legacy thing doesn't even have to be this church's thing. But how many of you know you need a thing? Amen? Amen? Every person in this room, you're called to further the mission of Jesus. I want you to stand to your feet all throughout the room today. And I'm going to close right here, and we're going to pray. Um, I, I, I want to I tell you just one last little story before we pray. I, I, I read about, uh, a while ago, I read about a 10-year-old boy that only had one arm. He had lost his arm uh, in an accident when he was real little, and uh, he only had one arm. He was about 10 years old. He started telling his mom, he said, I want to learn how to defend myself in life. And, and he had this interest in the martial arts. And so his mom started searching for like a dojo or a sensei that would train him. She finally found this one guy who was a judo master, and he said, yeah, I'll take on your son. And so he began to train this boy. It was almost like a karate kid kind of story, you know, Mr. Miyagi, you know, wax on, wax off, you know, or whatever. And uh, anyway, he started training this boy, and after about six months, the boy realized that he had only learned one judo move. So he went to his master, and he said, hey, sensei, I... I uh, I'm just, you know, I'm not trying to be rebellious, but I'm just asking, you know, like I've only learned 
one move, you know, and I'm sure there's other moves. Can you teach me another move? And the sensei smiled, just like Mr. Miyagi would, and he said, that's all you need to know. So the boy didn't know what else to do. He just committed himself in six more months and kept doing the move and kept doing the move. And finally, at the end of a year, his sensei said, I'm going to enter you in a tournament. So the boy was a little afraid, but he entered him into the tournament. And the first round, he surprised himself. He used his one move, and he easily defeated the opponent. In fact, the second round, same thing. Third round, same thing. By the time he got to the semifinals, it was getting a little harder. But every single time, eventually, his opponent would drop their guard. And with his one move, he would win. Finally, he got all the way to the finals. Man, it was kind of a cool thing. Everybody was gathered around, really crazy story, one-armed kid in the finals, you know, and, and it got so heated that literally the ref was about to call the match because he was wanting to protect this boy. And then finally, as fate would have it, the man who, or the young man that was fighting him, he got a little prideful and he dropped his guard. And with this one move, the kid won the tournament. And afterwards, he went to his sensei and he said, Sensei, how in the world can I win a tournament? I've only got one arm. And the sensei smiled and he said, you won because of two things. He said, one, you have mastered the hardest throw in all of judo. And you are a master at it. And he said, two, the only known way to defend it is to grab the opponent by the left arm. <laughs> and it was actually his weakness that had become his strength. Uh, Pastor Doug, I, I, I don't think I can do it. Listen, I don't know enough people, and I don't have enough things. And, and after all, I mean, I mean our, our, our business is just making it now, and now you're asking. Listen, it's not the abundance that God blesses. It's the weakness that God blesses. Amen? Everybody in this room, come on, say this out loud with me. Say, I have a move. Everybody in this room, you have a move for the gospel of Christ. I can promise you, you do. Every head bowed, every eye closed in this place. I want to just pray a prayer over you. In fact, you can lift your hands and receive it if you want. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I, I, I pray gifting would come out in this place. God, I pray anointing on your people right now. Lord, I call out callings in this room in the name of Jesus. God, creativity, wake it up, God, in, in, in the name of Jesus. I pray that the Holy Spirit would, would place entrepreneurialism and ideas upon your people. Father, we call out generosity in this room towards the mission of Jesus. Father, thank you for the blessing that put this incredible church in this building. But I believe and I declare that this is only the beginning because there's so many more to reach. So, Lord, the gift of giving, the gift of calling, God, we call it out in the name of Jesus. We pray that countries would be reached because of this service today. The lost and the broken would come home in the name of Jesus. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed today, the last thing I'll pray for is this. You say today, well, Pastor Doug, thank you for your message. And, man, I want to live a life like the one you've talked about. I want to be a person of purpose. And I know you do because the human spirit is built for it. You say, I don't even know if I know this God that you're talking about. I'm not even sure if I died today that I would go to heaven. I'm not sure I even have an updated relationship with God. I'm going to tell you, all good things begin at the foot of the cross. Why, do I, why am I a person of purpose? Because I met the one who loves me on purpose. Amen. 
If you're here today and you say, I want to rededicate or I want to give my life to Christ for the first time. If you're watching online, just give us some emojis or something. Let us know that you're there. I just want you, if you're that person, I just want you to kind of, I can see good enough. I just want you to kind of look up and make eye contact with me from the right to the left. And we're going to pray together. Thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate the many that are doing it. Come on, let's pray with this half a dozen or so that have looked me in the eye and with those that are watching online. Let's pray this out loud. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You did that for me. So today I receive salvation. I receive purpose in the name of Jesus. Amen. On Saturday, December the 11th, and uh, we're, we're, we're basically going into community to share the hope of Jesus with those that are around us, those that are in need, those that, uh, that need hope in the Christmas season. And so we're going to be giving away, we're going to be collecting and giving away pillows and blankets and socks and uh, non-perishable food items, things like that on that day. And so that's one way that you can be a part of this is by uh, bringing those items. How many of you like to shop online during the Christmas season? Come on, where are my online shop, uh, shoppers at? Uh, if you want... If you want somebody to do your shopping for you, you can always just give online specifically toward that. And then we have uh, some people that will make sure that those items get purchased and can get there. Or you can go get them yourself if you want to do it that way. Uh, but pillows, socks, blankets, non-perishable food items, we're going to be giving all that away. I'm excited to let you know also uh, that so far we have a couple of other churches in our community that have confirmed that they're going to be a part of this with us. And so uh, we're going to join together with them and hopefully a few more and make the biggest impact we can in our community. Uh, for for uh, the people in our community. So keep that in mind, Saturday, December the 11th. And we'll talk to you more about that in the weeks to come as well and keep you informed. Next Sunday is child dedications. And uh, we've already, already had several people sign up for that. But if you have a child that you want to have dedicated to the Lord, we're going to set aside a special part of the service where we're going to do that. We just ask that you go online and register or go on the app and register so that we can be prepared for you. And that helps us out. So remember that. Uh, get registered this week, and we're going to be doing that next weekend on the 21st. And Next Steps, uh, if you've never been through Next Steps, it's something that now that we have our own facility, our own building, uh, we're able to do in-house. And, and uh, we do it during the 9 o'clock service. And what Next Steps is, is it's a way that we can give you our vision, our mission, why we do what we do, how we're structured, all of those things. And it's how you can find out how you can get on the team. And so you can see all of our serve opportunities and, and take assessments and things like that to help you figure out where it is that God wants you to serve and be a part uh, in this body. And so I would encourage you, highly encourage you to go through that if you've never been through that. It's going to be on December the 5th and the 12th, so you have a few weeks. Uh, be during the 9 o'clock service, so check your kids in. Your kids will get to experience kids' ministry for two services that day. Come on, somebody. 